always a deep and wonderful conversation when I get to hang out with Amanda and Lou. So I'm so glad you get to hang out with us today. We talk about our childhood and really how our childhood shaped our mission today as adults. We talk about um, people we would love to have coffee with currently. And I will definitely put some things in the show notes on how you can uh, read or listen to some of these people that we follow. And at the end, Lou (laughs) absolutely makes me cry like a baby. So I'm so glad you're here to listen. And thanks for supporting this podcast. Well, friends, welcome to the Drive Candace Radiation Podcast, and woo, I'm so excited because two of my favorite humans are in the car with me today. I was, I woke up, I woke up and I was like, I get to see Amanda and Lou today! Yay! I've been living for this. Truly. Yeah, so excited. Um, So... Lou, you haven't been on a podcast. We've podcasted together on your podcast, Bonding Time Podcast, highly recommend. Amanda drove me um, a a couple of weeks ago, so she's been on the podcast before. So we have a different set of questions because Amanda's already done those questions. (laughs) Um, But I would love to talk about our childhood a little bit and how that kind of shapes our mission as adults. And I know you two are up for for it. Up for it. Um... But I was thinking about right now, you guys, in the age of your kids right now, you are in the business of creating memories with your children in this summertime. That's, I feel like when I look at what you're posting and what you're, what you guys are doing with your families, I know it's, it's deep on your hearts. And, um, so I, you know, you, when we think back about memories of our childhood, you wonder if this energy that you're expending as a parent, which one of these things is going to land in their souls as their memory. Right. And so you kind of want to make place for that. I asked Aspen today, um, tell me like, what, what's your magical memories from childhood? Like when you think about it and they were all spaces and places that had to do with relationship and with freedom and the freedom to be a kid um, outside of the bonds of like the schedule of life you know what I'm saying and that's that kind of was what tied it in so I um, I just appreciate you guys as parents I'm, I'm watching you do those things oh, thank you actually I've been thinking a lot about my kids and their memories too I'm torn because I want them to remember some things and I'm actually really praying that they forget a lot of things too (laughs) from this year last year I'm like you know I just hope that this it just goes right out of their brain and they don't remember me like this and they only remember the good things so yeah what do you have thoughts about that yeah just like I don't know there's things that you wonder like they stood out to you as a kid and they didn't really have to do with the big expensive moments you know they had more to do with maybe nature or the way you felt after you read a book or something like that so I don't know yeah I've been thinking a lot about that with my kids and and the ways that they feel like what you were saying about how they felt independent maybe like the first time canoeing or something like that you know things that are not you know what we want them to say is mom I remember you did this with me and it was like the best thing and whatever that's what you want and and really a lot of them are just like no I got to go be free and do 
and be with my friends and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is good. Um, so where did you grow up, Lou, and what is your favorite childhood memory? I grew up in the deep mountains of Somerville, so right up against Mount Emily. My parents moved there when I was five, and the house was... They didn't even, like, pay money for the house because it was basically falling down, and it was just 20 acres of timber. Mm -hmm. And so my whole entire childhood was my dad restoring (laughs) that house and knocking most of it down. And sometimes, like, I remember part of it living without electricity or plumbing, and then um, we lived in my grandma's trailer, and then for a while we all just... Like, my grandma's trailer was pulled onto our property. And then for a while, we all, like, slept in the living room, I think for warmth purposes. I don't know. Um, So that is kind of the great overarching memory of my childhood is, like you're saying, freedom. I did kind of just run wild in those woods all the time while my parents worked on the house. Um... There was a lot of just me and my brother, me and my sister, or me and Amanda, actually, just making up games, building forts, climbing trees. I spent so much time with um, out shoes on. And (laughs) I was talking to my husband about it on, like, we were traveling this summer, and we were talking, actually, about childhood memories. And he thinks my childhood, in some ways, was so alien to his. Yeah he grew up opposite of me and I was like well you know sometimes when my mom needed us out of the house on a school day I would like let my donkey wander the property while I did my school on its back and he was like this is too much for me to hear (laughs) it's so weird nobody nobody says that sentence (laughs) yes it was weird but free range childhood exactly free range donkey Um, When I was six, we moved to Elgin. My parents um, had kind of lived a lot of different places and came up to visit Lou's parents and decided they loved the Grand Ronde Valley. So they bought this little tiny house that was shaped like a box in Elgin, but it had not a lot of neighbors around it. And we just had like fields all around us and up above us. So... I just, when I think of my childhood, I think of, like, coziness and a wood fire stove because that was our main source of heat and it being very cold in the winter in my room, but lots of gathering around the fire and playing up in the fields where there were wildflowers and grasshoppers and bugs and butterflies, and my brother and I were very wild and free-range, too. <laughs> it reminds me of, like, the Hygge. Is that how you pronounce it? H-Y-G-G-Y-H-Y-G-G-E. It's that cozy lifestyle of Scandinavia. Huga, is that what it is? It's sounding. Yeah. Hygge sounds better. It's Huga. Huga. That's what it reminds me of. Um, okay, so how would you describe yourself as a child? What kind of kid were you? Honestly fairly strange I I really was um I had a really free spirit I wore my emotions pretty close to the surface I wandered a lot I had a very vivid imagination I love color in music um and I was excited a lot but I also got scared a lot Mm -hmm. 
So maybe I might have just been a lot, you know, yeah. <laughs> a lot of All everything. Just extra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, when we first moved, I was really, really shy. So I was pretty shy. And then I also could be a pretty angry kid too. So I had a hot temper and I liked being alone and um, I was very imaginative and yeah, yeah, that would describe me as a child. <laughs> I was um, the director of imagination. So I was that kid was like, you guys want to pretend this and then you can be this and that. And so AKA bossy, that was me. <laughs> that was me, um, which my sisters will absolutely say yes and amen to that um okay I am the oldest classic classic but I loved I loved adventuring out with our neighborhood kids and we would pretend lots of fun things and it was yeah yep um okay here's the funny question what problem or situation did tv or movies make you think would be common but when you grew up you found out it wasn't (laughs) can you think of something go ahead Amanda Um, so I had a really irrational fear of, um, peasants that lived in France and who were going to show up and chop my head off with a guillotine. (laughs) And I really thought for a while that that was going to happen because I watched Wishbone and and I loved like a tale of two cities, like that show. And for some reason that got really stuck in my head. And when the evening time would come, I would be horrified of like peasants showing up screaming like bourgeoisie and like ready to chop my head off for some reason so yeah oh my gosh did you think of one Lou? yeah I did actually because because of my childhood I was pretty sheltered but also my parents were a little bit of fresh Christians and they were super into all the end times tales so there was like some beheading fears just being (laughs) watching those things Uh, Mark of the Beast fears also one thing that I really thought would happen more often that hasn't is like spontaneous gatherings you see in movies where people just are like popping in and chilling and it's been far into my adulthood where I'm like oh someone has to like initiate and I have to organize something people don't like gather in the Times square and just like or town square and just hang out and eat together so that's been a skill I've had to learn is just like uh, initiating because the movies make it seem so easy Right. Um, okay, if you could have had anybody over for a play date as a kid, who would it have been? Honestly, Amanda. Like, <laughs> we, we, every chance we got, begged to hang out. We had a never-ending game of run away from the orphanage, uh, going at all times. And I didn't really dream that big outside of that. I just wanted to, like, keep our games going and hang out. Oh, same. But I would have wanted to go to her house because we had a whole village in their backyard that was like forest and we called it Smallville and like we had all these forts and forests and government and that's what we wanted to do every time we were together. So, yeah. I was always voted president. I was always the president of Smallville because uh, I think I was easily impressionable. So I just (laughs) did what everyone said. So I always got voted president. Yeah. 
um, we had a giant hill behind um, one of the houses we lived in. And so it was a big trek to get everybody up the hill because there were like little kids and, you know, big kids. They're all neighborhood kids. And on top of that hill, there was a, a wrecked old vehicle, like a 1940s old truck. And it was uh, on the top of that hill was a wheat field. So, and you can just see out forever. And so we would pretend about what happened to the person who got in that wreck. Yes. Yes. And then we had little walkie talkies and we thought we were spies. I mean, yes, I love all that. That was fun. So, okay. Is there someone you wanted to be just like when you got older and what drew you to them as a kid somebody you looked up to and you're like I just want to be just like them when I was really little I really 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 liked my dad and I wanted to be a lot like him Um, as I got older uh, there was a couple ladies who I guess they were students. They seemed like ladies at the time. They were like students who ran track for EOU, and they hung out at my parents' house a lot. And um, I really wanted to be like them because they were cool. They seemed glamorous to me, and they were nice. (laughs) They were (laughs) nice to me. So, yeah, that's about, that's who I thought I was wanting to be like when I was big. Yeah. Um, So my grandpa remarried my grandma I call her but her name was Barbara and I loved her because she was very glamorous and put together and she always had amazing clothing and jewelry and smelled really good and every time we'd go to her house she had she worked from home but she would take me on her like company calls or drives because what she did was um she was one of the first people that would install like credit card machines and readers into different companies so she was always getting clients and she just knew what she was talking about and was really um authoritative i guess in like a man's world and i loved it i would just lay on the floor whenever we'd visit in her office and listen to her make her phone calls and then she would always throw me in her car and we'd drive around and she would have me just listen to her phone conversations and everything but take me all over Southern California and I just thought like I want to be like you this is so fun this is like the funnest life (laughs) that's awesome um so we're gonna take a little break we're gonna talk a little bit more about our mission like in life right now so when you think about you know yourself as an adult right now I think our missions change over some time but there there's some threads that kind of stay the same what do you think your mission is in life right now Um, it's hard to put into words, but I feel like everybody, I recognize it on people. Everybody's like a little bit homesick and they're not even sure what they're homesick for. And I just really do feel missional, whether it's my kids, my friends, our Salem community of just like being a soft and safe place to land, uh, for that kind of ache in people. And, um... Also just a cheerleader for them to try new things and feed them good food. And so, I don't know, I've been, I've been in those situations where you just don't know what it is that's off or aching in you. And someone just makes you feel like you're okay and you're safe and you're hurt for a minute. So I do feel missional in no matter what I end up doing um, to kind of recognize and give space and hold space for people Mm -hmm. in that way. 
I love Lou's answer. That's really good. Um, yeah, when I think of my mission or whatever, I, I feel like right now I'm trying to not white knuckle my life <laughs> so much, you know? And so when I think of like, what do I feel really compassionate or like, yeah, passionate about? And what am I going to really care about before I die or after I die? What are the things that are going to matter? And I think just noticing, being a noticer of this world, being a noticer of the people in it and being a soft place to land and someone who is someone who can say like, I see you and I'm interested and I want to cheer for the things that you're excited about. Whether that's for my kids, for my husband, for the people in the Sela community, for whoever, you know, but just being a noticer of people and then also this beautiful world that we get to live in for a small time. Yeah, that's beautiful. That made me think of a quote that I read a couple days ago where uh, trauma is unnoticed pain. And you need somebody to notice that pain and notice that so you can help get through that trauma. But the people who take notice and take mark, even just not just like the difficult things, but the beautiful things and help us remember to actually see, to look. Yeah, I love that. Um, How do you think your childhood shaped your mission? I think that I have always been someone who has sought comfort to my detriment, kind of. Um, But my childhood, there was a lot of a lot of safety in it, and a lot it wasn't perfect at all. But like a lot of freedom and a lot of um, time at home, just kind of out on our property, and just I don't know recognizing that a lot of people do need space to um, feel settled and safe and they really can't do that without creating space so I I think that I have I don't know gone over my story over and over again and realized like if I can bring some of that I don't know what I always thought I needed to tamp down in myself which was my I don't know free spirit and my roaming heart and just maybe use that to um, give other people some like courage and some bravery and some freedom and space Um, I think that I just have recognized that that would be maybe really healing to a lot of people who feel lost so just kind of that home feeling yeah a lot of time spent alone and observing the world around me and just playing with grasshoppers and wildflowers and finding out their names like helped me build help build a foundation in me of like how important noticing is how important the tiny little details of this world that we live in and how beautiful and precious it is and and people too And then, you know, being, like, imaginative and a dreamer in some ways, um, I think we've worked through a lot of those things, like me and my my family, and we're still working through some of it, but I think being imaginative and a dreamer and sensitive, um, when you say the things that are on your heart out loud, you can get those tamped down and um, dismissed really easily, and that has, that happened to me a lot as a kid, it felt like, and so 
maybe that in some ways has sparked like it is okay to dream it's also okay to have logical conversations and safe conversations about like how do we accomplish that goal and that doesn't mean that people aren't believing on in you and cheering for you and so does that make sense yeah for sure yeah that's good that's really good any other thoughts while she was talking yeah, lots, lots and lots of thoughts. But I think, um, you know how, like, therapy and EMDR just goes back and kind of, like, re- reparents your yeah. heart a little yeah, bit yeah. and gives you what maybe you wish you would have had? In a lot of ways, we were given, like, this beautiful gift of a wild childhood, but our parents were all <laughs> learning as they went. And so I envision Amanda and I just standing on their shoulders and being like, yes, we are the kids of pioneer dreamers and we also have big dreams and we are also really women who know how to be smart in business but be really free and just set ourselves free to dream but dream smart and uh, bring other people along with us so that might be a big sidebar but I just am really thankful as we're talking about it just for you know the the ceiling we get to start at you know yeah I believe we don't we don't live in a vacuum there's a long line of people that came before us that um, spoke into our lives and spoke into our parents lives and our grandparents lives and the way that those generations I think affect us in what we do I think it's it's good to reflect back um, and understand maybe there's always everybody's got some kind of dysfunction that's always there but there's also goodness there too and 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 what you get to to choose to take forward into the next space yeah. I noticed both of us, like, I mean, we're, I think we're a little bit feminist, but like both of us turning around and like cheering our own moms on yes. and recognizing their beauty and being like, yeah. you are incredible. Like you can do this. And I don't know, it's been kind of really special to maybe start a new wave for our own daughters of yeah. like yeah. females who are blazing a trail and bravery, hopefully. <laughs> We talk about it so frequently that my girls are like, they'll say, just joke about women's rights. Women's rights. Like, just in like any random thing. Women's rights, you know. And it's just like this free conversation we have. Because yeah. I think there was a, um, that was, feminism was a bad word when I was growing up. Sure. Yeah. And I just remember my mom, like, you know, my mom came out of a generation of women who wanted to go to work and have the right to do that. And my mom was always one of a a person who wanted the right to be able to stay home. And, and that was her choice, but she didn't like, she was like, and women should also go to work. And so, and she was bound and determined that the three daughters that she and my dad were raising were going to be independent, fierce females. And, and she did it because we're, we're really that way. (laughs) She did it. So, um, what failures have you experienced in pursuit of your mission? And what did you learn from those failures? Oh, Lord. So many. <laughs> um, I've learned to be a better listener. I've learned to be more curious and just let things sit a while. Um, I've learned to apologize faster. And, um, I don't know, I think that my failure has taken shape in, um, sorry, I'm trying to get around this truck. My failure has taken shape in being really 
brutally hard on my body and myself and not being friends with my body and preaching one thing of safety and love and connection and healing um, but living in this kind of disintegrated way where I was keeping too many plates spinning in the air for too many different people and having you know this short temper and then this like really relaxed attitude and just being like this I was just not integrated at all Mm -hmm. as a person and um, that kind of led to just a breakdown and this almost despising of my own body and so to let things just go and let all the expired things that I was clinging on to actually expire in my life has been really freeing and I'm actually just in kind of this rebuilding process of trying to practice what I preach and get my own self well first and really love and respect be gentle with my own body and it's just amazing how the things around you that you wish you could control or change do start to either bother you less or start to change whenever you just kind of like manage yourself and get yourself like a little more healed so I don't know that's kind of rambling but that's just what the last few years have been like for For me sure what about you Amanda um when I think of what the the failures or what I've looked at as the failures in my life have happened um I think just with the perspective that I have, which is not that much, I'm still like in my mid thirties, but looking back and and realizing like all of that was a teaching tool in my life and nothing is ever wasted. And so like taking courage from that when there's good, because there's gonna be more down the road of like trying and failing and getting back up and trying again. And it's not gonna look the way that I think it should look maybe when I finally maybe get to where something is working or you know when you arrive at something that you're like oh this is how it was all supposed to come together and it wouldn't have worked 10 years ago or five years ago or whatever um and maybe like so trusting the process and then being curious like Lou said and maybe not taking myself so seriously when the failures do happen and learning to roll with them yeah yeah I think about how much embarrassment and shame has kept me locked down from trying new things and um the the fear of what other people would think or like performative like I'm not going to be able to excel at that so I don't or I'm going to look like an idiot so I'm not going to do it um and all of those things I think um even if I were to look like an idiot or be embarrassed or have shame, even in that, I've tried it. And I so there's some muscle that needs to work out in me that it's okay to put myself in that kind of position. Because there's something that's beneficial that's going to help me learn about myself and help me grow as a human, right? Yeah. And not miss out on um, some kind of gift, you know, that I might have from that. Yeah. Have you guys experienced that? Oh, over and over and over again. And just enough that it's a gift, like getting myself to the edge of myself where I'm where I'm like a learner and a beginner. We're actually learning that a lot right now together. Um, it's almost addicting now the older I get because I'm like, this is really good for me to be on the edge of my comfort zone. But like, yeah, I, I almost feel really sad 
in your other interviews, you've asked, like, what would you go back and tell yourself 10 years ago? And that's something. That's something. It's just, like, stop living for, like, what other people think and keeping everything going for what other people approve of or don't approve of. Like, it is so good for you to just get out on the edge of yourself and take take a risk and maybe fail at something and realize like the whole world keeps spinning afterwards yeah. you're gonna be okay for sure you're gonna be okay I think what kept me too is I I would fear the loss of relationship or fear the loss of love yeah. if I were put myself in that position and I think one of the most extraordinary gifts of this last year was uh, realizing how much I am loved um, by so many people in such a really practical and tangible way like I will I I I will be able to fight that off in in the future because of these truths that I know that I've learned this last year so sometimes worst fears coming true because I I am like go go to my grave before I lose a relationship and you know as you get older sometimes it happens and that person does not want to be your friend anymore and it's like how could they not I'm awesome (laughs) but like it happens and it's the worst thing you could imagine and then you live and you survive and other people who love you so well come out of the woodwork and just letting that be instead of doing CPR on something that just was over you know and that's been so good for me probably both of us you know to release and bless what needs to be released and blessed and then to receive what is coming right which is I think a universal truth maybe we learn over in lots of different ways Let's talk about who we admire right now. So if you could go have coffee with anyone, living or dead, who inspires you as an adult, who would it be and why? And I like when Mike answered this, I did this interview with Mike and he was like, ah, there's so many. And I said, okay, well, you can have three if you can't have one. (laughs) Are you ready? Um, So I can have three. You can have three. Let me see if I can get three. Okay, so I for sure want to like sit down and have coffee with like C.S. Lewis and just talk to him about anything that has to do with God, that has to do with literature and imagination and all of that and just have a conversation because of what he did for all of us and imagination and the worlds he created and the beauty he showed us about God. I think he would be a really interesting person to have coffee with. Um, there's a lady our age, her name's Sarah Clarkson, and I just really admire her, and I love listening to anything she puts out, and she lives in England right now, and she's a vicar's wife, um, but she has her PhD, I think, in theodicy, um, which is the justice of God, or justifying God, and she is a beautiful thinker and writer, and she loves poetry, and I would love to just sit down and I feel like just talk and be like, what should I be reading right now? And let's talk about poetry and let's talk about books and let's talk about imagination and Lord of the Rings, please. So she would be somebody I'd love to have tea or coffee with. And then, I don't know, I just think maybe that's good for right now. Just those two people. Yeah. I love it. All right, you ready? I think so. I'm so surprised you didn't steal mine. Um, I think my first person that came to mind was Wendell Berry. Yeah. Oh, well, 
Hey, I have to come. <laughs> Obviously, I would bring Amanda. I'm at risk of like leaving my husband and kids for him, so it's probably best if I don't meet him. <laughs> He's like everything I think a man should be. Um, let's see. Uh, why don't you tell us, some listeners may not know who Wendell Berry is, okay. so why don't you list off, like, your favorite Wendell Berry? What, what, what's his, okay. your favorite book of his? Um, he wrote a series about a small town. A couple of the books that I have loved are Han- Hannah Coulter, Jaber Crow. He writes beautiful poetry. He wrote this, like, manifesto of, like, a farmer that I read every New Year's and, like, weep. <laughs> it's too much. And I always feel like... Is he re- is he me? Like I feel like everything in my heart he says better than I should or can. Environmentalist um, activist. Yeah, and he doesn't have any online connection. So if you want to get a hold of him, you have to drive to like his farm or like send snail mail. So he's just like the best person ever. Um, I oh I'm kind of blanking. Uh, this spring I got to go to a little small retreat in um, Chelsea, Manhattan um, with Shauna and Aaron Nyquist and they were delightful and there was a couple ladies there, this guy, this poet named Drew Jackson who thinks beautifully and writes beautifully and I think I'd like to have coffee with all three of them and get to just hear more of the words out of their mouth because I was just kind of like laid out every time they talked or liturgized or read their poems. I was like, ah. So, yeah, I think more of them. Yeah. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Well, wait. I really want to know what you'd go to that coffee with. Oh, yeah, me. Like, yeah. Oh, what? Like, uh, oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, that's funny. Makoto Fujimura is um, a beautiful artist um he was at fuller for a while and i think i've learned a lot from him um as a christian artist and he's his books i highly recommend but the way he thinks about how art is for um people is like this radical way of thinking about um, introducing beauty and love and what we need as a society and that the artists are on the front lines of that especially in dark days like this and so for me he's he's who I want to be when I grow up um, I, I he's a he's a very slow painter I'm a very very fast painter and when I say slow, like, there's pieces that he's worked on for 20 years. And he's in the, like, he loves the process of making his own paints. And he loves, like, just this beautiful Japanese way of processing um, scripture, processing art, and how it processes it together. So, for me, he's, like, the opposite. And yet, the, the what I want out of my life. Um, I think another inspiring person is um that's helped me is Kate Bowler. Oh, yeah. I love Kate Bowler and I she's she speaks my language. Um she's has spoken my language even before cancer and especially during cancer as she's a cancer survivor and um 
So I highly recommend Kate Bowler in anything that she does. She has the right heart. I just, her heart is so open and it's so honest and she's she's a gatherer of, of different kinds of humans, which I am too. And I think she, I just admire her. Um, I think that's when I think about one of the reasons why I maybe do this podcast or maybe write or do paintings is that I feel like there's this creative thing that needs to happen in me that needs to be a gift to others. And I feel like I, I learned a lot about how to do that from Kate Bowler. So those probably do top right now, like it voices that I love to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? And I'm going to make it be one thing. Okay. You ready? Yep. Um, I think what you are remembered for ultimately is the way you make people feel. So I hope that I'm remembered for the, the way I make people feel and that it's a good thing. You know, that they are seen and safe and warm and loved and fed and comforted. So that's yeah. what I would be. I love that. I want to be remembered as only one <laughs> um, safe, yeah, but too. hilarious. Yeah, but also <laughs> funny. But also funny. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, any other thoughts before we sign off today? Candace, I have, you said in um, your other, one of your questions was, what's something kind that someone's done for you? I'll never think or talk about random acts of kindness without telling the story of our last fall retreat, having to leave in shame after having horrific panic attacks and having to go in the hospital and being up for nights straight. And you were getting your, am I turning here? No. Oh, cancer diagnosis, and in the middle of that scary time, and you painted that incredible painting that you and Amanda talked about on the last podcast of wonder in the wilderness. Yep. And um, I showed back up to the cabin just feeling so horrible that I couldn't stay and help. And um, you just, I like locked my eyes on this painting and I couldn't look away, and it was like, the only thing that really made sense at the time is just this beautiful, beautiful painting. And you just said, this is for you. And you gave it to me and I felt so undeserving. But I, you know, I had a lot of panic attacks last year in the middle of the night and I would just lay with my eyes wide awake <laughs> looking at that and there's no way I deserved it. And I felt like she needs this. She's going through her own wilderness. She painted this for her. But just it was like this expression of like, the multiplication of God's heart um, where there's always enough and he just used you in this crazy way to show me how kind he is and rewrite some of the lies and the stories I was thinking and believing about myself so your kindness is just like preached and preached and preached to me all year and I'm just like so proud of you so thankful and it's a story I'll probably tell my kids and grandkids that is 
crying. <laughs> that is incredible. And I've, I've heard this. You've told me this. But every time I just, when I think back in that moment, I think about your bravery and I think about your courage. And even in, you say, you felt the shame of the moment. And um, I just I just saw somebody, a fighter, who was choosing, choosing life. And um, so that I got to be a part of that. That is, to me, what living a creative life is for. Yeah, multiplication. Period. <laughs> so we get the joy of being um, knitted to one another and um, and in dark times. And it's, it's yeah, it's a gift. So, well, everybody, we are rolling into old Pendleton once again. You're back. <laughs> Here I am. I think this is day 19. I I don't know. I lose count. So 19, but 19 of 33 sounds really great. I don't know what percentage that is, but that feels really good. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm pretty tired, but I have some really good things to look forward to. So I'm just going to hit it, man. Also, we crack wise in old radiation. I get in there and there's some a couple of guys who the radiation techs are and they... They're like, okay, was the driver safe with you today? And like, they're always making jokes. So it's a fun place to be in Old Pendleton on Radiation Day for sure. Thank you guys for tuning in. And man, I just really appreciate everybody that's out there listening to all of this. It's such a gift. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening in, friend. I really appreciate it. This is really fun for me. But I hope for you, there's some takeaways on just being a good neighbor. Just somebody who's willing to to jump in and say, yeah, I'll help you out. If you are a cancer survivor, or if you're currently going through cancer, please know that my heart is with you, that my prayers are with you, and that you are more connected than you realize and you are more loved than you could ever understand. Please tune in next time. We will have a great time on the podcast, driving over the mountain where I get radiation and make the best of it. You know what I'm saying? Have a great day. Mm